This is Until All Have Heard with Ed Cannon, the president of the Far East Broadcasting Company. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Ed, once again, it's great to be with you via Zoom as uh, we don't get to spend as much time face-to-face with each other these days. Really, you're not traveling much at all, are you? No, my board has grounded me. They said, <laughs> you know, you can't go anywhere. First of all, most of the countries that I used to travel to, in order to enter, you must quarantine for 14 days. Um our, our staff in Korea wanted me to come and visit, and they said, well, we'll put you up in a very nice hotel, which kind of makes the 14 days sound a little bit worse. <laughs> but in Vietnam, if you're going to go in the country and quarantine, you're held in a military hospital. Oh, no. And you have to bring your own food. So oh, no. I said, no, I don't think I'm visiting <laughs> no, there anytime no, soon. I think I'll so stay no. home. Thank you very much. No, I haven't left the country since this whole lockdown has started, which yeah. is really... Uh, a challenge for my wife, but I don't have jet lag. <laughs> but it has not curtailed your leadership or the ministry of the Far East Broadcasting Company. This is a major point. FEBC is needed more than ever during this time. We're living on Zoom and Cisco WebEx and all the different uh, attachments. As a matter of fact, I did the other day set my all-time record of 11 Zoom conferences in one day. Wow. So you can imagine those calls started at about 7 that morning <laughs> on the east coast of the United States and ended at about midnight that night in uh, Asia. So, yeah. yeah, they're long days. And the broadcasts of FEBC going out during this COVID era are so critical. Well, that is the most important thing. Regardless, my leadership has little or nothing to do with what's going on with FEBC, but our staff around the world are committed to doing whatever it takes to get the broadcast out. Many live in the studios for weeks at a time, and from what I've heard, we haven't yet missed one broadcast over the Mm -hmm. entire pandemic lockdown period. And I have to think that people are more open to the gospel because, you know, they're troubled by what's going on. So I I think we see that happening in the States, and I'm sure it's happening overseas. What we're seeing is enormous run-ups in the number of people following us on social media, sending in texts and emails, almost to the degree that many of our staff are struggling with the idea of how do we respond to all these people calling in. Now we have a new openness to the gospel. People want to know because they're anxious, they're nervous. So how do we deal with that? And I keep telling the staff, I praise God that we're trying to solve that particular problem. Well, you can learn more at febc.org, but we have a very special guest. Uh, You have a special guest in your studio in California today, so why don't you introduce the guest and let's learn all we can about what God's doing, huh? I I have the privilege to be with my friend, Victor Aktaroff. I've come to really appreciate Victor over the years that I've been at FEBC. He's been here a lot longer than I have. Welcome, Victor. It's good to be here. I think you've been with FEBC almost 30 years. Yeah, yeah. It's... He looks like such a young man, Wayne, but uh, <laughs> 30 years with FEBC and, and, and a tremendous track record, and what an interesting life Victor has lived. Why don't you tell us just a little bit about yourself and what your childhood was like and where you grew up and how you've come to work at the Far East Broadcasting Company? Well, I was growing up in eastern Ukraine, and that's where the war is now going on, because I am one of those Russians who lived mm. in mm. in Ukraine, uh, in the Russian territory mm. of Ukraine. And um, I was fortunate enough to uh, to be growing up in a Christian family, because um, 
in in the school where I, I was about a thousand people students there I was the only Christian mm. I was the only guy not wearing the red tie oh. uh, and when when people ask me well um, when did you make the first kind of profession of faith it was when I was 11 and I was standing before my class all my friends and I decided to uh, to tell them I'm not going to be a pioneer or the young communist. Uh, and the teacher said, why? Uh, and I said, I'm, I'm a Christian. So that was my first kind of formative, I would say, professional faith uh, when, when you do it in, in the face of opposition. So that was my, my childhood. Mm-hmm. And um, my dad was in between... Um, prison terms. He spent two times in, in Soviet prisons for his faith. So mm. uh, I was a child number five uh, in between those those prison terms. And so of he, course, you hear all the stories, and 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 that's that's how my, I I was growing up. So he was in prison because he was preaching the gospel. He was in prison because they built uh, a church in a town where there was no church, and yeah. it was all illegal, unofficial, and five of uh, mm. five of them were sent to to, to prison mm. and that's mm. that was his his first term mm. Mm. what was his profession what what did he do to feed the family well uh he was working all kinds of jobs um, um the best job that he has uh was being a scientist in moscow working in one of the most prestigious universities having five assistants with phd's and um, working on laser light technologies. Hmm. And he was um, fired from that job because he was a Christian. Hmm. Hmm. When he was um, uh, close to dying, we had this conversation with him for a couple hours, just Hmm. sitting, chatting about everything, Hmm. family and and everything. And I was um, kind of thinking, I said, Dad, what was the most difficult part uh, of your life? And I thought he would speak about some prison experiences. He went through some horrible stuff there, of course. And he said, you know what? Saying no to that scientific job was the most, the biggest sacrifice. I had to say no to my dream, to my mm. passion, mm. Um, because the bigger passion was to follow Jesus and, yeah. and bring people to him. Yeah. It was kind of um, amazing for me to sit next to the mm. hospital mm. in bed. And I dared to ask him, a second question, and I said that since you're being honest here, tell me if you uh, ever felt sorry for making that choice. And he was he was weak at that point, but he just started laughing and said, of course not. Mm. What are you talking about? Mm. Uh, nothing compares to, to the gospel mm. of Jesus Christ and to, to the way we uh, we can interact with it and bring, um, bring it to other people. Mm. So many great lessons for us here in the United States who put a totally different meaning on sacrifice for the Lord. Uh, One of my favorite verses, it's in three of the Gospels, but Jesus says, if you would be my disciple, and everybody remembers, you'll pick up your cross daily and follow me, but very few recall what comes before that. He says, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And I think your father, Victor, has personified the deny-yourself piece for the sacrifice of the Lord. And it's great for us to hear those kinds of stories because we just don't really see those kinds of examples as much here as as you've actually lived through. 
but you also find yourself as you deny yourself yeah. uh, in Jesus. That's yeah. and then that's a part of his message as well. Yeah. Victor took me when we were visiting Ukraine to see the small house that he grew up in, and uh, it's a cute little town. But the houses were very, very small, very, very humble. Uh, the interesting part, though, I remember is only miles away from this location uh, is a war-torn section of Ukraine, and it, it doesn't make really the news here in the United States as it probably should, but you've seen great devastation and tremendous loss of life in Ukraine at the, at the moment. You want to say a few words about that? It is, it is painful. I have friends um, on both sides uh, of the conflict and that makes it even even more painful um, people that i went to school with uh, some of them were fighting on one side some of them were fighting on the other side and when we went to that mountain where lots of people died i was uh, i was trying to imagine if i was a soldier at that time mm. and just mm. looking at the city that was bombed and it is devastating and today uh, of course, we are dealing with the aftermath uh, math mm. of uh, mm. all mm. of this, and just mm. uh, just ministering to people who are confused, who don't know what to do. How do we deal with mm. our feelings? Mm -hmm. um, we were killing our own people. Uh, was it the right thing to do? Mm. That's the question that mm. our counselors hear the most, mm. Mm. Uh, especially from soldiers. Was it the right thing to do as I was fighting for my country mm -hmm. because I was fighting against people who also live in my country mm -hmm. or people who look just like me? And um, it is uh, such a privilege to minister to people like that. Mm -hmm. And of course, we are um, the ministers live the same life mm -hmm. and they also lost relatives, they mm -hmm. also mm -hmm. lost neighbors, mm -hmm. they also are conflicted. So mm -hmm. But they have Jesus, and the difference yeah. is just amazing as you see yeah. uh, how people who are going through the same stuff but have Jesus minister to those who don't have yeah. Jesus. Yeah. To make it real, uh, let me share a couple of the examples uh, that when Victor and I were there, we were building a new radio station in a small town in the war zone. And the day that we were putting the transmitter in service, one of the staff, the technical staff working for FEBC there in Ukraine, had a soft cast on his foot. And just to make casual conversation, I said, gee, what happened to your, uh, what happened to your foot there? And he said, well, yesterday when I was running around getting some parts and getting ready, a stray bullet hit me in the ankle. So he's just wandering around on the streets doing his job. He's not involved in the war. He's not a soldier, but a bullet hit him in the ankle. And it's just, that's, that's part of life there. We visited a small church in the in the war-torn area, and it was a wonderful pastor, just very godly and, and, and welcoming. We sat in his church and had a cup of tea. And he said, we used to have 250 or 300 people coming every Sunday, but now that the war is going on, everyone's afraid to come out. And so last Sunday, we only had five or six. But his joy wasn't deterred. It didn't matter to him that he didn't have a big church. He was thrilled to be able to serve God to his small audience and now point them to the radio broadcast where they could listen in the safety of their own homes and still hear God's word. So life in Ukraine is just totally different than we imagine here in the United States on so many fronts. Anyway, 
And speaking about that, that church, one of his friends, his deacon in the church said, you know what, God is calling me to go to the neighboring city that was destroyed mm. uh, by the war. Mm. Uh, and he went there and started going uh, house to house. And on the first Sunday, he had 30 people in his new church. Wow. And uh, he says, the best tool I have, those people who never been to church, mm. says the best tool I have is, is if you see radio, I mm. can uh, mm. tell them to listen. They mm. listen, mm. they come back, we mm. discuss it. Yeah. Well, the best part about FEBC radio is not our transmitters or our antennas or the power of radio. It's the people. Our number one asset are the staff. And Victor, I know you've you've lost some staff in Ukraine, haven't you? You want to share just a little bit with our audience about that? Well, yes, we uh, did during those uh, those um, times. Um, when lawlessness was was um, the word uh, of, on the streets, uh, we lost four of our volunteers. One of them in particular, uh, his name is also Victor, and he was one of the most joyful broadcasters uh, we had. Uh, just a volunteer broadcaster, a businessman. Mm. He would come on Monday and talk about what God is doing in his life. And then he would talk about fishing and, and um, what they did with the family, very, very close to the listener. Again, one of them. And then uh, he would talk about, and I also went to church, and people would start calling and asking questions and arguing with him and laughing together. They, uh, four of them were uh, arrested just coming out of the church and, um, and taken, disappeared. The family did not know for a month mm. uh, what was happening. So... As we learned uh, later, they were killed the same night. Mm. And uh, even later on, I was talking to one lady who was in the building where they were tortured. Mm. And um, she's not a Christian. Uh, she was describing to me and said, you know, they were put in this little cage that had in that building. And they covered their eyes with duct tape. And she said, I did not know what to do. I kind of was scared. I did not know what is coming. Maybe they were, would be killed. So she said, I went to the um, backside, a uh, different corner of the room. It was a big room. And she said, two sounds I heard coming from, from that corner. Uh, their bones being broken with big sticks. And she said, they were singing your Christian songs. Hmm. The lady looked into my eyes and said, Victor, I don't know what you people have inside of you. Hmm. And Victor, I think I have the story correct, that the same room, the same jail where those men were being tortured, your father had been put in jail at that same building, right? Years ago, yes, years ago during the Soviet times, uh, he, would, he was held in the same building, and when he... He was arrested. He didn't come home. Uh, we went to that building with my sister and um, indeed found out that, that he was he was imprisoned. Yeah. Well, Ed, you know how much we love Victor. God has uh, placed him in a position of leadership at FEBC. Uh, we're seeing such tremendous growth in the audience in the country of Russia uh, through social media. And, of course, in Ukraine, it's the building of these radio stations that is the story. It's an amazing story. I want our listeners to read more about it. You can do that at our website, febc.org. But why don't you pray for Victor and this ministry as we begin to wrap things up here today? Sure. Um, Before I do that, I just want to say, 
looking back to Dr. Bowman, I used to always have conversations with him about how do you find people? How do we hire staff in places like Ukraine or in places like Thailand where there are so few real Christians? And we need gifted Christians, talented Christians, people that have great passion and love for their audience so that they can effectively communicate the gospel. And Dr. Bowman said, well, you see, Ed, we don't, we don't find these people. God sends them to us. Yeah, and you've good. just heard a little bit about Victor Akhtarov. How could man possibly find someone like him, a young, passionate uh, man with the, with the background he has, to serve FEBC the way he has? We, we didn't find him. God brought him here. And that's another story for another yep. day. But yeah, yeah, it let, is. It's a great story. Lord, we are so grateful that you have found and encouraged people like Victor and his staff in Russia and in Ukraine to use broadcasting medium to reach out to the public to proclaim the good news of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you'll continue to encourage him, Lord, and give him energy and passion to do your work, to uh, pass that passion and talent along to his staff there in Ukraine and in Russia. Huge audiences, Lord, are depending on FEBC's work in order to hear the gospel in places that are not only gripped with uh, the pressures of war, but the oppression of governments, and now the coronavirus. So, Lord, we just pray that you will continue to put a hand of blessing on these men and women as they broadcast your good news, serve in difficult places, and even that they too would be protected from this pandemic virus so that they can speak through the microphones and then when people hear your gospel, they'll come to faith. And we pray this all in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, Victor, it's been a great privilege to be with you today. I just love hearing uh, the things you talk about, your childhood, how the Lord has brought you here. And there's much more I'd like to share with the audience, so we'll have to have you back another day. And um, thanks so very much for being with us. Thank you, Ed. And just, just one line. Um, just now, minutes ago, I learned that um, our Ukrainian director is infected with coronavirus, and and he is encouraging me as he's speaking to me. Oh. And, and this is, again, he's going to be behind the microphone speaking to his fellow Ukrainians, wow. telling them that he's also suffering just like they are, oh. but he has Jesus. Wow. Well, please tell him of our prayers for him and for everyone there, Victor. We love you guys. You're doing such great things uh, in the name of the Lord. So once again, thanks to Victor Oktorov here today. Ed, thank you for your time. These conversations are continuing our series of podcasts here, and we thank our friends for listening. We hope that you'll tell others and share the link of this podcast with others so that we get even more friends uh, to hear the stories of what God is doing through the Far East Broadcasting Company. And thanks for your support of FEBC. That means so much to us. Your prayers, your gifts, it all sustains us. Ed, thank you. Talk to you next time. It's always a pleasure, Wayne. God bless you. This has been Until All Have Heard with Ed Cannon of the Far East Broadcasting Company.